0: Hello, and welcome to Magic Is Real, a podcast focused on the fascinating world of near-death experiences, spirit communication, and all things metaphysical and spiritual. The mission of this project is to share messages of hope and inspiration with others, and to spread the word that death is only an illusion. Thank you for being here with an open heart and mind. I wish you peace, light, and love always. and welcome to magic is real i'm shannon i'm your host and today i have with me kat dunkel she is the author of i'm going to read it is it safe to die a memoir of death to life second chances and redemption now i am almost finished with this book myself and i was just telling her before the break that i was sitting there reading her story and going oh no like (laughs) I had these real reactions to your story so first of all I just want to thank you for being here and sharing your time and energy with me and my audience
1: thank you Shannon I love meeting new people and and doing this is a great way to do it I've I've had the opportunity to uh, uh, speak to so many hurting people I think that Went through similar situations or, or in them now. And so this is a great opportunity.
0: I appreciate that. I know that you do a lot of speaking and you're a writer, you're a speaker. You're also a businesswoman, but you um you have such I'll tell you what really struck me about your near-death experience story, because um I do interview a lot of people and some are out of body, some are shared death. They, there are all sorts of perspectives on this. It really touched me and resonated with me uh, that you were an atheist. Um, I was too, for the most part, during certain times of my life, um, yeah. not at all anymore. And I really find the transformation so uh, compelling, um, especially yeah. given all of the trauma that you've been through and all of the loss and the grief. So I'd love to start by getting to know you. And a little, I, of course, have read your book, so I know. A lot of it. But if you could share with our listeners about you and how your life started, Mm -hmm. how these sort of spiritual beliefs or lack thereof formed as a result of your formative experiences
1: okay well i yeah there was a a lack of actually in my uh in growing up my parents were both alcoholics and uh uh, my dad was a, a angry man he uh my they never i don't know how they ever got married but my dad had a sixth grade education quit school to go into the navy to support his mother who was widowed and my mom was a college graduate um uh, uh, for only woman at oregon state university to graduate from uh, pharmacy school back in the 30s so i mean total opposites and i think my dad always kind of you know felt inferior to my mom and he was he was mean he drank a lot when he got drunk, he drunk he was not not nice so we kind of hid from him I, we weren't allowed to we weren't allowed to uh eat too loud or to laugh too loud or to run through the house or to be kids and uh so that that was kind of my growing up church and God or, or life or that you know uh as far as that went just wasn't anything I was exposed to um I always felt like I wanted to be I wanted to be where those the kids were that knew about God or knew about things and I I Uh, But I just, you know, was never, never got to to church or anything like that. So at the end of my teen years, I started doubting uh, the fact that there could be a God and actually became an agnostic because I went everywhere I could even imagine to trying asking people to tell me, you know, something to believe in i mean i was ripe to be any type of cult or anything because i i anybody that could have made any sense to me i would have followed in a heartbeat but nobody did and uh, i tried every every church every religion everything nothing resonated with me so I, I would say i was an agnostic at that point because i i wanted to believe there, but there just was nothing to help me do that uh so into my teen years i i started questioning you know um uh, that, and then uh, into as later on in life, um you know i I had a terrible time in my life my, my childhood was miserable, like I said, but uh, I became very, very, um, I, don't know, I I was insecure because my father also was transferred all over the country and so every two years we moved to a new city and I go to a new school and I don't know if you ever had to walk into a classroom with new kids but it's terrifying <laughs> you know they, they're all looking at you and, and kids don't like that so and I certainly didn't but I was insecure uh afraid uh, all those things and um in high school uh, we had moved to Kansas City which was uh uh, from Washington State. And so these kids all talked funny too, you know, say <laughs> things like y'all. And, uh, and you know, I, so I was kind of, I stuck out because I, here I was from the West Coast and, and uh, that, you know, the Beach Boys were coming around in that time. And uh, do you know who the Beach Boys are?
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <You're so young. laughs> no, no, I, I'm not as young as I look, but yes, of course, I, I, <laughs> know who the beach boys are yeah yeah so i just really kind of stuck
1: out and uh, um i'm married to get away from home i did not love this man he was an alcoholic like my parents and had two children and a nervous breakdown by the time i was 21 years old so uh, i took my kids and i uh got in an old beat-up car in kansas city and, and right before i left i looked up at the sky and i said you know god if you're really up there if you just give me one year to know what it was like to feel love or to love somebody you know fine you can devastate me kill me, do what you want to do. But uh, just one year, that's all I asked. Well, later on, I, I threw the kids in the car. We went to uh, back to Washington State and uh, Seattle, and I got a good job. And we uh, got we're in government housing, the two boys and I. And we could run through the house and play because we didn't have any furniture. We slept on the floor. It was a little gas stove that heated our unit. And we pretend like the little pilot light was a fire and and we were camping. So the kids loved it. I mean, the boys loved it and you know, they didn't have to break anything. So they play games in the house and run and and uh, we'd go down by the lake and feed the ducks, go to the library, read books. And uh, so life is actually fun for me then. I like I had a good life then. And then uh, uh, I got a good job. And there was a lady there that. Um, Came in one day and told me that uh, she'd found the man I was going to marry, and I, you know, I, oh my God, you know, that's not anything. I don't want to go there for sure. And uh, I, she had this guy call me. His name was Don, and 28 days after that phone call, we were married. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, I found true love. I did because I, I, I think after we saw each other almost every day. I was looking across the table at him this one day and I was just afraid. I was so fearful because I felt this feeling I had never felt in my life. I loved this man more than life itself. I mean, he, he was handsome. He was kind. He was, uh, he owned his own home. He owned a a nice car. I mean, he had a good job. He was not an alcoholic. (laughs) He was like smart. I, I, I just, I, I thought what, is he seeing me, what would he ever want with me? Anyway, on the 28th day, we were sitting there, and this guy came in that Don worked with and he was drunk he could hardly stand up and he's leaning over the table and he says you two kids belong together he said what would it take for you to get married and and Don said you know if I had 200 dollars, we'd go to Reno and get married tonight and I went oh my god you know can he really be saying this you know I I knew I loved him but how how to think that he could possibly love me was just beyond anything I could imagine and uh I looked at him, he looked at me. This this guy said, I'm going to write you a check right now. <laughs> he pulled out and said he didn't have any checks. So he had to go home. So we're laughing. You know, we're thinking he's never going to come back. He's going to go home. His wife's going to kill him and he's going to pass out, or whatever. And he'll never be back. And it was about a few minutes later, he comes back with his checkbook, <laughs> wrote the check that you couldn't even read. And uh, Don looked at me and I looked at him and we went, you know, let's go. <laughs> so we did. And uh, uh we got two traffic tickets before we got out of the state. <laughs> anyway, we got married. It had been, uh you know, just incredible. I just, you know, I I would open closets, and there would be crystal and china in there that he'd got when he was in the navy that he collected, and um it, this beautiful home. And I, my boys had a daddy, and it, it was it was life could could not have been better. And uh about six months into this marriage. Don had the opportunity to uh, buy a tavern with a friend of his. Um, and I, uh, of course, I didn't want that because of alcohol in my past. I didn't want anything to do with that, but it was his dream to own his own business. And so I couldn't stand in his way. And he did. And so I, you know, I didn't like it, but on our first anniversary, um we went out to this great dinner. And he said, can we just stop by the tavern to see how things are going? um because it was all new and I said sure so we go there and everybody's crowding around him and congratulating him and this barmaid was just so openly flirting with him it was just like you know Dawn can't you see what she's doing and she's flicking her hair towards him and you know this is going on. I'm sitting there getting angrier and angrier and angrier and um so pretty soon I looked up and she, he was fixing her necklace on the head <laughs> and I just I lost it. I just got up and took off running out of the tavern and left my coat. And it's in, in February, cold and rainy, and I'm running down the street, I was just kind of running away from everything that I could. And uh, it was this awful. And as this guy stops by and he he says, Lee, can I help you out here? And uh, I said, sure. And I, I hopped in the car, the total stranger, not even knowing who he was or anything. And I uh, just, you know, driving around and I'm crying. And it's really soon I stopped crying. And he says, you know, would you like to go home now? And I said, yes. And uh, he took me home and I walked up by the door and Don was furious. So we had our very first really big fight. uh, And it'd been exactly one year, just like what I had prayed back in Kansas that night uh, just give me one year and you can just devastate me well after that things started sliding I you know I didn't trust Don to go to work because of that barmaid and I I uh was was doubting myself I was like you know and I was eating too much and gaining weight and I my hair was cut too short and I was like I you know it just kind of things just started sliding and uh we started picking at each other more which we'd never done before uh, so, uh, I didn't work at the tavern, didn't want to have anything to do with it, but on Monday nights, we had this uh, promotion, and I would work that one night, and so it was April 6, and I uh, kissed the boys goodbye, and uh, walked out the door, and went into the tavern, and when I got there, and walked in, Don was leaning over the counter, talking intensely on the phone, and um I couldn't imagine it was it was packed people with people there and uh he hung up the phone he came over, and grabbed my arm and he's pulling me out the door saying things that just didn't seem real that my son Mark had been hit by a car and we went to the hospital and uh got there just as the ambulance pulled in and they pulled his little limp body out of the car or the ambulance and the doctor came running out screaming "Oh, you know, how'd this happen how'd this happen and I I don't know I don't know and So we were led into a waiting room and and hour after hour waited and waited and we could see uh, Mark through a glass partition thing and they came out and asked uh, me to call a priest well. (laughs) I, you know, I said, I don't want a priest to come in there. I want you to to save my son. I don't want any priest in there. What is he going to do, you know? And, and uh, so they just ignored me and called a priest and he walks by me into the door and they shut the door on me and, and let the priest in. And I'm like crazy, you know, just yelling at him, you know, leave my son alone, leave him alone. And, and um, anyway, that all happened. And through the night we're waiting and just, praying, doing what I don't know how to pray even, you know, but I didn't know what to do. I think we were just absolutely frozen. I I wasn't praying, I'll put it that way, because I didn't know how to, but I just, I didn't know what to do, and we walked down the hallway, and I was looking out the window, and the sun was coming up, and cars are going by, and it's like a normal day for people, and I'm thinking to myself, how how can this be normal? Don't they know that somebody's child's in here dying, and other babies are being born and and life is going on how can that happen and I heard footsteps behind me and a doctor came down in the hallway and he told us that they weren't able to save Mark and uh, I just collapsed and we went into his room and and uh, I felt like he was cold and I pulled the covers up over him and leaned down to kiss him and he had a tear in his eye and I said don't cry Mark because mommy's here Just like i can make everything fine i'm mommy i can i can make everything fine mark you're going to be okay and and i just collapsed and i uh uh, i don't remember much after that but uh, we did go home and and chris was my other son was there and uh, he was with mark when mark got hit by the car Uh, they had a babysitter but she had neglected to watch them like she should and um, he didn't know chris didn't know what had happened when mark got hit by the car everybody all the attention went to Mark and Chris was left standing there. This poor kid, you know, like nine years old, not quite nine years old. And uh, so he wanted to walk home and tell the babysitter what happened. You know, I just can't even imagine what he went through. And so I I just held him and told him the doctors weren't able to save uh, Marky, you know, um, Chris. And he just started to scream and cry and into his room and and close us out. So life then just, I I closed down. I was in our house. I wouldn't go out of the house. I, I became, I can't do the name for it when you don't leave your house, but I, I couldn't face people. I had this horrible guilt inside of me that kids aren't supposed to die before their moms, you know, and I uh, couldn't talk to people. I didn't want anybody around. These two ladies from a church nearby came by and they told me my son, you know, with jesus now and i i just shook them i said you're jesus i'll tell you about your jesus he kills little children you know and slammed the door in their faces so i was angry and at that point i would say i was definitely an, an atheist because i just uh there was no way if god did exist i hated him i hated him for what he allowed to happen so my whole life then was uh anything far from any belief in anything, uh, you know, you live this life, and you die, and that's it, but um, so, you know, uh, life did go on, and and uh, uh, it was awful, and uh, it was not long after that that Don said, you've got to get out of the house, we're going to go out tonight, and uh, I didn't want to, and I argued with him, but uh, we started out the house, and I was arguing back and forth with him and we got in the car and it became more intense the arguing did and more intense and more intense and we're driving down the street I'm just screaming at him and he's screaming at me and and uh he said Kathy you have to you have to move on and I came across the seat with my arms and just flailing away at him and he's trying to drive the car pull it over and and he goes like this at me and hit me in the side to the back and when he did you have a, a sack around your liver and that i guess it's like a balloon and it holds your liver together and it exploded and i just caused massive internal bleeding in me and uh, I, I i did just fell over to my the, the side of the car i didn't know anything was wrong with me at that time but i said just take me home take me home which he did and uh, uh i i got the car keys and took off like I always did. I was going to run, 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 run away from him, run away from life and whatever. So I wheeled out of the driveway and I'm driving down the freeway and I'm feeling this horrible pain inside of me. And I pulled over and cars are going by and splashing water on me. It's raining and I'm drenched and I'm undoing my clothes. And I thought I'd have to get back home. So I slid back behind the wheel of the car and, and I, I don't know how I got home, but by the time I'm Tried to crawl up halfway, crawling up the driveway, and my clothes are all undone and rain drenched. And and Don's standing there just furious with me. And I tried to get by him to call an ambulance. And he's, What are you doing? I said, I've got to get to the hospital. Something's drastically wrong with me. I, and um, he said, Well, you know, I'll take you to the hospital if you're that bad. And he did. So they didn't have MRIs or CAT scans at that time. We're talking back in the 60s. And, and, uh, and uh so they didn't really know what they knew my my blood count was dropping drastically my blood pressure everything gone and so uh they came in and said I had to go into surgery right away um and I was scared I thought you know I don't want to go to surgery who are you guys I don't know who these doctors are and and um so they took me into surgery down the hall and we went I'm looking at the tiles going by and and they stopped and Don was there, and he leaned over and he kissed me, and he said, "I love you." And I I was shocked because I didn't he even like me, love me, and and so I killed that thought and went into the surgery. And the surgeons were all there, all masked strangers over me, and and uh, and they put the mask over my face, and I knew that I I should go under, that I I shouldn't know what's going on, and everything went black. And I stopped hearing the noise of the of the surgery room, but I was still conscious. I knew what was going, on. I knew where I was, and what was happening. And then I I couldn't breathe, and I was just absolutely drastically trying to breathe like like I had gone underwater or something, and I, I couldn't get the breath to come in, and I would panicked. I was just panicked all over, and I felt myself kind of going through something a wall or something and into a, a tunnel and uh and, and all of a sudden I realized I didn't have to breathe and I was still frightened but I I was felt okay and this thought was kind of strange this is really weird and I started moving forward through this hallway and I saw Don my husband down below me and, and my son Chris And they were crying. And I, I, no, don't cry. I'm alive. Everything's fine. Something's happening, but I'm okay. I'm alive. And, uh, and then I moved on and I saw four people, humans in street clothes, standing off to my left. Um, and they looked really worried like they were concerned something was going to happen to me and and i i know nothing was said but i went by them and i thought that's really strange i mean i didn't know these people i didn't know i was dead at that time i guess and so i'm continuing down the hallway and all of a sudden the thought comes to me there is no god and this horrendous noise—I mean, like a standing next to a jet airplane, uh, uh, the jets of, a, of an airplane—it was just this horrendous noise, a freight train or something, going through like what I hear. And then I felt this rope burning through the middle of me, and I, I don't know what that was all about. But when that it just stopped, and when that stopped, I knew. That God did exist. I knew with everything in me that God existed. I mean, I can put my hand out in front of me, and 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 you can say that's not your hand, but you're not going to convince me that's not my hand. I know it is, right? So um, I I knew that I knew that God existed, and I was so excited because I had never known anything like this and this absolute peace that passes any understanding that I had was I felt this I felt something that I'd never felt before this euphoria this this peace this incredible incredible I don't know how to even explain it I really can't and it, even if I did it probably wouldn't make sense so but I felt that and then I I heard the same noise come again and I felt felt the rope burning through me and I I'm thinking that God was just burning out of me all of the hatred and the anger and the the Horrendous things that had happened to me in life, out of me. I don't know. I don't know if that's what it was all about. But then again, it stopped, and I saw this brilliant brilliance, knowing that that was heaven, and that I was going there. And I was, I was so excited. And I, 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 you know, I thought about my husband. I thought about my my sons. But I just, you know, I was excited to go to heaven. I, I did not at that point ever want to go back to anything other than what I was headed towards and then it was like the bottom dropped out and you're sitting there now and the floor drops out and you fall just like you're in an elevator shaft just falling into darkness and i knew that i had fallen into hell and it was i was falling into this darkness but the incredible part about it was that i was separated i was separated from from god from all that peace all that incredible thing that had just happened and I, I was almost as though God didn't even know I was there. That I even, I didn't ever exist as far as anybody knew. I was gonna fall and burn in this horrendous place forever and ever and ever. I couldn't commit suicide. I mean, these thoughts came to me. I can't kill myself. I, I'm gonna, I, am going to i i to endure this for eternity. I can't ever get out of this place. And and I, it was just I was screaming, of course, and I was screaming out for God that you know, please God, please forgive me. I believe you. I believe in you now. And I believe everything. I just saved me from this horrible, horrible place. And, and, but I knew that God didn't know I was there, but thankfully I was wrong. (laughs) And, and then it just started going backwards again. I started going backwards into the tunnel again, and I was going back towards the entrance of where I started and I, it stopped. And I heard a voice say, bring people to me. And I believe it was a voice of God. And and then I felt my spirit enter back into my body. And then I came to life into the, back into the emergency, into the surgery room. And uh, so I, that was over 50 years ago. And from that day, I was screaming at everybody, God's real, God's real. And, you know, as, as I started getting better, I, Shannon, I, I didn't know what a Bible was. It was a book, I knew that. <laughs> I had never picked one up before. And uh, how am I going to bring people to God? How, what, am I, what am I going to do? I, you know, I, I'm not even that well educated, I didn't have a college education nothing. I, I couldn't, what am I going to do? Who am I? And as a matter of fact, I went to a church and tried to tell a, a priest about what had happened to me. <laughs> he says, who are you? <laughs> you know, who are you that God would would do this to you? I said, I don't know. I'm, I'm here asking you. But um, uh, so I so I just picked up a Bible one day and started reading it. And I started going to church, any church. I didn't care what denomination it was. I just wanted, I would go in and and it happened to be a Catholic church, and I'm not Catholic, but and I'm not even now, but uh that's where I ended up. And and nobody was ever in there. They had bass at six o'clock every morning, but I was there every single day, seven days a week. And then a friend told me about a another church that taught it the Bible. And I thought, well, that's great. You know, I need that. So I started going there on Wednesdays and Sundays and still at the Catholic church every day. (laughs) You know, I, I, anything I could grab onto to learn about God was just so, I mean, it just drew me like everything. And so I did learn and I did move on. And then it was not too long after that, I, I had a dream and I had, you know, I don't think I had special Things happened to me, but I had this. This was a dream, and what happened to me in the near death experience was not a dream, and it, and that's proven fact through a neuroscientist that I am very close to, Dr. Bruce Grayson, who wrote a book about called Alive. He's done a lot of research into near-death experiences for many, many years, and and uh, dreams are definitely different. Hallucinations are definitely different, and uh, and so is oxygen deprivation. It's definitely different, and I can explain all that. But I'm not not going to go into that right now. But he's actually to...
0: here in a Charlotte. He's here in Charlottesville, uh, an hour from me. It's so. Uh,
1: yeah, Dr. Grayson.
0: Dr. Dr. Grayson. Yeah, I believe oh. so. Right yeah Was bruce grayson university yeah. of virginia yeah yep. it's an hour yeah. from here i have i have it on my didn't mean to interrupt you i just no i'm glad you keep did. keep intending to um to meet him or connect with him somehow um so yeah. i just i i know all about him i think he's wonderful yeah, yeah.
1: he's just uh just a dear friend and uh as i'm in his book alive on page 144 <laughs> my cases but anyway i went to, to bed that night had this dream about starting a business and you know, I I had a high school education, barely that actually, because we were transferred all over, and, and sometimes I would go into a class, I'd have a whole new curriculum, and it, it was something I wasn't used to. So I, I would they tell me, well, just sit in class, and we'll pass you on. So learning was was what I could teach myself. And here I am with this dream of starting this business. Okay. I get up the next morning, I tell my husband about it, and uh he's going, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> and uh I did. And that business turned into a multi-million dollar corporation that is still there today over 50 years. My son runs it now. I'm I'm retired and and he took over the hill and he's become very wealthy through it and, and we've lived it. But that was a dream that I believe God gave me. I, I didn't have the expertise to do what I did and I did it. And uh, and th- this business is called Customer Research Incorporated and you can go online and there's an about thing in on their website and it does tell my story of starting the business back in the 60s and it, it had to do with customer satisfaction which nobody had heard of it in the 60s. There was no JD Powers, nobody, none of Nordstroms, any of that. So uh, the business became very successful. I believe that was a gift from God. I mean one thing after another happened to me that was just not ex I was not able to explain, you know. And uh so that's my story.
0: <laughs> Thank you <laughs> so much. Ever
1: after Don yeah. and I are still married. <laughs> I
0: love that too that you and Don Dawn- Weathered the storm. yes. because reading your book, you went through so much and just how patient you were with the process, I think together and that you committed to growing together. I just through your grief. I mean, like I said, when I I mean, I already knew that you had lost your son, but reading about it. And also being a childcare provider my whole life and hearing what happened with the babysitter oh and God. I just went, Oh, no, this is <laughs> terrible. And I just thought I don't know how anyone anyone survives that, but the fact is, as you said, yes, you can persevere and you can you can push through, but I do believe also that there is that spiritual support of God. And that uh, just, I, I think some things, I actually wanna know that you're, sorry, I'm, I'm stammering because I have so many questions floating around in my head, but I'd love to ask you, do you see everything that's happened in your life as having sort of been your soul's preordained story for your soul to grow and learn certain things? Or do you think that they were just things that happened and that led you in, down this path sort of by accident or by chance?
1: Yeah. You know, I, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about that. But um, um, I guess I would have to say that that that's life you know I, I think there are so many people that suffer horrible childhoods and I know a lot worse than mine in other countries where they're you know they're bored into this poverty and starvation and horrible things happen to people so yeah I, I really think that's life and and I think we all have our burdens to carry in life and and I think it's those burdens that a lot of times that are what makes us strong that are yeah. what makes us the people we are and uh so i think it was all i don't think our lives are preordained for us i i guess i'll put it that way i think you know we pretty much are at the helm to do what we do to survive or not you know and uh and some are survivors and some aren't and uh so and i think the survivors are maybe here to help the ones who aren't <laughs> i hope <laughs>
0: so, i love that perspective i also when we were talking about um oh the science of this i was just talking with a friend last night uh who's had a an out of body experience and uh i said he said it's it's as real as anything you can imagine i said well that's the thing is that there are a lot of people that say oh it's a hallucination because your brain is running out of oxygen and and you address mm-hmm. that in your book as well but until you've lived it and i haven't but i know from speaking with so many people that have had this experience when you're there you said like you said it's as real as the hand in front of your face
1: right
0: it's not a hallucination you've halluc- we've all been sick or hallucinated and we've all dreamed at some point in our lives mm-hmm. it's a very different feeling i would imagine because yeah. most people that i know who've experienced what you have or similar ex- describe it as being realer than this that yes. this okay. is the dream and then you wake up oh yeah <laughs> so i'd love to hear i it's not really a question as, which is i tend to do this i just sort of throw that <laughs> out there and say uh what are your thoughts about that
1: well i thought dr grayson uh because i asked him about that could i I was actually the first thing i did was you know ask my doctor uh the surgeon who saved me actually uh, could i have been hallucinating and he said no he said you were under a uh, or yeah, you were under general anesthetic and your brain uh, your brain cannot it doesn't function. I, mean, I can't think of the right word, but he had a doctor word for it. but no, it could not have been hallucinating and and Dr. Grayson also explains that in his book that hallucinations are flashes of things. you have flashes of, of memories or flashes of this or flashes of light. You don't have a consistent pattern of of uh, sequence things that happen. You know, like I went down the hallway. I, I learned about God. I learned about heaven. I fell into hell. Um, those those are secret things that happened. They weren't flashes of anything that I might have had in my brain. Right. I was never exposed to religion at all. And uh, I didn't know anything about, about hell or heaven or God or anything. I mean, I knew all kids know that, I guess, you you are born knowing there's a God. I mean, I think the Bible says that, it, that all people know there is a God in their, so, because people a lot of times say, well, what about somebody that's never heard about God, and they're living in primitive conditions, or whatever, they're all men in their hearts know God exists in their soul, or whatever you want to say, uh, so we all do, um, so it was not you know that's the difference my feeling in hallucinations is is what the science says I could not have been hallucinating and uh, it, oxygen deprivation I said maybe that was it you know Well, no oxygen deprivation is a whole other thing so those are the scientific facts that say that these near-death experiences actually happen to people and uh, they can't explain them they can't so um, they know that they are the things that we think that they are you know, the ones, the questions that we have, hallucinations, oxygen deprivation, uh, crazy, <laughs> whatever. Uh, they, they, you know, those things, but they can answer that. So science has proven that these are the real deal. They happen to people.
0: Yeah, and just if you think about the thousands of people who've experienced this, sure, some of them might be lying. Some of them might be yeah. mentally ill. Some of them might be hallucinating, but the majority of them have, similarly themed near-death experiences so if this were a hallucination why are people not seeing a pink elephant and dancing in a carnival and the next person sees a beach scene and the next while it seems very personalized Mm -hmm. towards the what the person needs to see it's all the same even whether religious or not Um, and, and some people don't some people see jesus some people don't but the theme is there is something greater that we all come from and you call it you know some people call it universe you know some people call it god that source that we all come from i was talking with my friend about this last night saying it's like consciousness soup like god is everything it's like god is everything we're made up of and you know this like it's it's all knowing it's all it's eternal it's this beautiful it's light it's love it's a the consciousness that we're all like you said whether we know it or not aware of um and you can speak to that if you have thoughts about that that's just how I interpreted it or felt that's just how I what my thoughts were on it but that's but I'd love to know what your thoughts are about what is God that you you know what do you think yeah,
1: I definitely believe that that there is, and again, call it what you want. There is God. Uh, I believe that this universe, this life we live, everything, could not just have evolved. I don't believe that could possibly happen. I and, I and I was open to that. I you know, but and I and I don't discount people who can say they prove or whatever that that's the way it is. That's fine. But I for me personally, I know that there is a supreme being that that is in charge of all this. If not, we're complete chaos. I believe our spirit at the time we're conceived, we are given a spirit and that spirit stays with us until we die. And this fleshly thing, thank God it goes to the grave. <laughs> and yeah. Who we really are is our spirit. Who's talking to you right now is, is my spirit. And my spirit will live on for eternity. And and where it, where it goes is 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 you know that that's up to it. i don't know who that's up to i don't know i really don't know but anyway that's my belief is my spirit will live on and and, and dr grace i think calls it consciousness you know it's it's our it's our i don't know our our brain whatever it is 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 our spirit that lives on for eternity so we we are unique every one of us is a unique spirit that, that has been created and uh yeah, that's, that's my belief.
0: <laughs> I love that. I I think it's it's beautiful. And how would you say that, obviously you've shared a lot of it, but having had this experience, I'm trying to, th- how has it changed the way that you go through life? How you, I'm sure you continue to grieve, um, processing the grief, I'm sure it changes over time. And it's been a long time, but obviously, it never leaves you so i'd love to know sort of how does it inform the way that you move through the world how does it inform your healing
1: yeah my 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 oldest son chris um who was with mark when he was hit by the car uh, was recently uh, interviewed on a podcast and he was talking about what happened and 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 uh, he said that when Mark was hit, you know that Mark was thrown up over the car and his shoes came off. And Chris was watching all of this. And and uh, and then Mark was laying on his back in the street. And Chris ran out to him, and his eyes were open. And when Chris said that, I mean, I I just almost fainted. I mean, my life just went out of me. I just, oh my God, you know. And 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 he, and Chris, Marky, Marky, are you okay? Are you okay? And and Mark didn't say anything, so I mean I, I must have cried for two or three days over that that incident. And that's this has been a long, long time, you know. And I was pretty sure I was pretty much over the grief of Mark. More more of the things I think about Mark now are are the wonderful time we had together. What a wonderful spirit he is, and I can hardly wait. Because I believe that you would you if you die a. a through an abortion or whatever if you will achieve your, your prime life where you are your in the prime of your life which i would assume is between your late 20s and early 40s somewhere maybe your late your 30s uh, in the prime of your life that's where god will keep you for eternity and these these wrinkled old bodies that we have you'll know, go away and 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 babies that have never had a chance to grow up so i'm excited so excited to see mark like who did he become who did yeah. he become? because he's a spirit just like me and and he became something and and i'm excited and i'm excited for where he's at you know i i uh, as i know that this i it seems like life 50 60 80 years 90 years is an eternity but it's not you know it's it's a flash in, in the in the realm of eternity and and so i'm excited to see that
0: um now i even forgot what the question was because no you 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 answered <laughs> it perfectly it was just how, how your experience it how it changed you and how it helps you or helps yeah. you or, or doesn't yeah. help you or anything yeah. in in relation to how you yeah, grieve no. and how you continue to heal and i think you answered that really beautifully yeah uh, i also would love to know what you think it is that we're doing here why are we here, in why are we bodies. here? yeah in these bodies on this earth I don't know. (laughs) You know, the Bible
1: says that God created this. And I, and then if he knew what this was all going to become, a lot of questions I got to ask. Yeah. Why, if he knew that we would be falling into sin, that all men sin, fall short of the glory of God. And so, well, why would you even want to create us in in the first place? And, and uh, I don't know, I really don't know that answer to that question, but. Um, I, I love people and I, I can see why God would love a lot of people and I can see why some people maybe not, would not make it to heaven, but you know, and that's another question that I, I wondered about, you know, is it safe to die? The name of my book, um, I think it is for most people. I don't, I know I'm not special. I know that God wouldn't give me a gift that he wouldn't give anybody else. So I think everybody in the dying process, as they're dying, has the opportunity to either follow a third of the angels of heaven and Satan, a third of the angels of heaven fell with Satan out of heaven, thought they could be greater than God. Um, they can go with him or they can go with God. So, you know, you have that choice. And, uh, um, and hopefully they'll make the right one. I mean, there are evil people. I, I I It's hard for me to wrap my brain around that. But there are truly evil people on the earth and and they would much rather follow Satan and, and that, and then go with the glory of God. You know, they think that's trash. And I, I, so it's, you know, it's their choice. But uh, it changed. This whole thing changed me so dramatically. And that's another reason that that this could not be phony. I like you like my testimony is that I grew up angry and bitter and got angrier and bitter, more bitter and was an atheist and nasty to people and, and I was horrible. And I changed from that. Too, I I think I'm a pretty nice person now, but I you know I love people. I I I speak and I I am very involved with moms that have lost children and um and and how we can become happy and how we can live our lives through grief and and uh, my life is devoted to that and has been for over fifty years. I've never stopped. Never once, in, for a second, have I doubted what happened to me and, and what my purpose on earth here is. and I, I, That's another thing. I believe we all have a purpose. And and not everybody has to start a business or become a millionaire or do, or do any, any of this stuff. But you do have a purpose, whether it's just to glorify your creator or to be who you are, be the husband, be the wife, be the kid, be whatever. Uh, you have something you have a special gift everybody does everybody does
0: I agree with you and on all counts and I my the question I like to ask everyone and just whatever comes to your mind is what do you want people to know
1: that they're loved (laughs) that they're loved beyond anything they can imagine and uh and um it's hard to explain because so many people have this uh just I don't know how to explain it but they, they they hurt so bad and they feel they're worthless and they feel suicide maybe is the only answer I tried to commit suicide three times after Mark died and and uh well once before that and the only reason I did not was because I had a vision of my son Chris coming out I was on the third floor of a hotel building out on a ledge sitting on the ledge and just kind inching closer and closer and I could see down below all the people. And I thought one more inch, one more inch. And it's all over. All this pain, all this stuff's going to be over. And my husband don at the time was down in the bar with this girl that had been flirting with him all night and just you know and he, thought he was a good looking guy so he drew women a lot and that was like you know I, i'd gone up to the room because of that and was crying and I'm sitting on this ledge and and one more inch one more inch and this i had this vision of my son chris come straight at me mommy don't and i fell back into the room and you know So um yeah, it's it's I changed a lot. I've changed so much and uh and I'm happy. (laughs) I'm happy.
0: (laughs) That makes me so happy. You are such a beautiful person and I thank you. It just warms my heart. You've been through so much, but it you are proof that uh you that you can move through these difficult challenges and this pain and come out you know, relatively healed and and if nothing else, like you said, you have a purpose in helping other people because you have this compassion, yeah. this depth of compassion that um a friend of mine, the one I was talking with, said, you know, I feel like I wasted my twenties and my thirties and I should yeah. have done this and i said there's no should have's. i said yeah, yeah i shouldn't have been a sex and love addict i shouldn't have you know used drugs i shouldn't have i said but then i wouldn't be where i am today and i wouldn't be so right. grateful right like i wouldn't be doing the work this work i wouldn't be yeah i wouldn't have found my way yeah and yeah. i i think it's all part of our journey we can sit here and say mm-hmm. well i wish that didn't happen to me and um, yeah, I wish that people didn't ever have to be hurt. I wish that children were always loved and always nurtured yeah. and nobody ever hurt them. Um, but since it happens, there's just, it's good to know that there's some hope. Right, that there is hope. Yeah, yeah, you can start a new, like there's, there, there are new beginnings and it doesn't mean you forget what happened. It just means that you learn to move forward with as much grace as you can and mm-hmm. hopefully inspire other people with your, with yeah. your own, uh, you know, success story.
1: Yeah, life is tough. I mean, it's it's hard. It's really hard, and and I still I struggle just like I, I'm a human being. I still yeah. struggle. I have daily things, and I you know I even see a swear word now and then. You know, I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, and but I do understand the depth of pain people have, and and uh, even if that's what what someone's purpose might be is just to be there for fellow human beings to to be that light somewhere and uh yeah
0: yeah well thank you so much kat dunkel for being here oh, rep- my absolute pleasure it's so lovely to have met you and i uh, definitely recommend your book uh, yeah. i will have links below where you can find kat you can read her book um and i just wish you all the best and look forward to seeing what else you accomplish in this beautiful <laughs> life of yours Great. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. Appreciate it.